0: Give the worship team a big hand. Man, I'm glad we go to church where we sing and worship. Well, welcome to Capitol Church, the 38th Easter of Capitol Church. And they're always good. Let's pray. Father, we just believe today for an impartation of the Holy Spirit. We pray grace would come upon us as we hear, as we apply, as we obey. We thank you for the goodness of God in the land of the living. And we pray an anointing upon our minds and our hearts today that the will of God would be accomplished through us. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the grandkids down there. <laughs> hey, King. King, what you doing? Yeah, you better go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with two scriptures today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now let me read, that's out of the New King James. Let me read it out of the New Living Translation. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. One more scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Oh, I love Easter. I love Resurrection Sunday. I want to tell you a story. Please listen to this story as a parable of what happened Many, many years ago. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words ricochet from star to star, crashing into the chamber of the king. Couriers from a bloody battlefield stumble in the king's presence. Bruised and broken, they plead for help, for relief. The soldiers of the king prepare to attack. They mount their steeds and position their shields, and they draw their swords But the king is silent. It is the hour for which he has planned. He knows his course of action. He has awaited those words since the beginning. Since the first poison was smuggled into the kingdom. It came camouflaged. It came in a golden cup with a long stem. It was in the flavor of fruit. It came not in the hands of a king, but the hands of a prince. The prince of shadows until this moment. There had been no reason to hide in the garden. The King walked with his children. The children knew their King and there were no secrets and there were no shadows. Then the Prince of shadows entered the garden. He had to hide himself. He was too ugly, too repulsive. Craters marred his face. So he came in darkness. He came encircled in ebony. He was completely hidden. Only his voice could be heard. it, he whispered, holding the goblet before her. It's sweet with wisdom. The daughter heard the voice and turned. She was intrigued. Her eyes had never seen a shadow. There was something tantalizing about his hiddenness. And the king watched. His army knew the Prince of Shadows would be no contest for their mighty legion. And eagerly they awaited the command to attack. But no command was given. The choice is hers, the king instructed. If she turns to us for help, that is your command to deliver her. If she doesn't turn, if she doesn't look to me, don't. The choice is hers. The daughter stared at the goblet. Rubies embedded in gold filigree invited her touch, wooed her to taste. She reached out and took the cup and drank the poison. Her eyes never looked up. The venom rushed through her, distorting her vision, scarring her skin, and twisting her heart. And she ducked into the shadow of the prince. Suddenly, she was lonely. She missed the intimacy she was made to know. Yet rather than return to the king, she chose to lure another away from him. She replenished the goblet and offered it to the sun. Once again, the army snapped into position. Once again, they listened for the command of the king. And his words were the same. If he looks to me, then rush to him. If he doesn't, then don't go. The choice is his. The daughter placed the goblet into the hands of the son. It's all right, she assured. It's sweet. The son looked at the delight that danced in her eyes. Behind her stood a silhouetted figure. Who is he? The son asked. Drink it, she insisted. The goblet was cold against Adam's lips, and the liquid burned his innocence. More he requested as he ran his finger through the dregs on the bottom and put it in his mouth. The soldiers looked to their king for instructions. His eyes were moist. Bring me your sword. The general dismounted and stepped quickly toward the throne. He extended the unsheathed blade before the king. The king didn't take it. He merely touched it. As the tip of his finger encountered the top of the sword, the iron grew orange with heat. It grew brighter and brighter until it blazed. The general held the fiery sword and awaited the king's command. It came in the form of an edict. Their choice will be honored, where there is poison there will be death. Where there are goblets there will be fire. Let it be done. The general galloped to the garden and took his post to the gate. The flaming sword proclaimed that the kingdom of light would never again be darkened by the passing of shadows. The king hated the shadows. He hated them because in the shadows, the children could not see their king. The king hated the goblets. He hated them because they made the children forget the father. But outside the garden, the circle of the shadow grew larger and more empty goblets littered the ground. More faces were disfigured. More eyes saw distortedly. More souls were twisted. Purity was forgotten, and all sight of the king was lost. No one remembered that once there was a kingdom without shadows. In their hands were the goblets of selfishness. On their lips was the litany of the liar. Taste it. It's sweet. And true to the words of the king, where there was poison, there was death, Where there were goblets, there was fire, until the day the king sent his prince. The same fire that ignited the sword now lit a candle and placed it amidst the shadows. His arrival, like that of the goblet bearer, did not go unnoticed. A star was how his coming was announced. A bright light in a dark sky, a diamond glittering in the dirt. Burn brightly, my son, whispered the king. Many times the Prince of Light was offered the goblet. Many times it came in the hands of those who'd abandoned the king. Just to taste, my friend. And with anguish, Jesus would look into the eyes of those who tried to tempt him. What is this poison that would make a prisoner try to kill the one who came to release him? The goblet still bore the seductive flavor of promised power and pleasure. But to the son of light, its odor was vile. The very sight of the goblet so angered the prince that he knocked it out of the hand of the tempter, leaving the two of them alone, locked in an intense glare. I will taste the poison, swore the king's son, for this I have come, but the hour will be mine to choose. Finally, the hour came. The son went for one last visit with his father. He met him in another garden, a garden of gnarled trees and stony soil. Does it have to be this way? It does. Is there no one else who can do it? The king swallowed and said, None but you. Do I have to drink from the cup? Yes, my son, the same cup. He looked at the prince of light. The darkness will be great. He passed his hand over the spotless face of his son. The pain will be awful. Then he paused and looked at his darkened dominion. And when he looked up, his eyes were moist again. But there is no other way. The son looked into the stars as he heard the answer and said, then let it be done. Slowly the words that would kill the son began to come from the lips of the father. Hour of death, moment of sacrifice, it is your moment. Rehearsed a million times on false altars with false lambs, the moment of truth has come. Soldiers, you think you lead him. Ropes, you think you bind him. Men, you think you sentence him. He heeds not your commands. He winces not at your lashes. It is my voice he obeys. It is my condemnation he dreads. And it is your souls he saves. Oh, my son, my child, look up into the heavens and see my face before I turn it. Hear my voice before I silence it. Would that I could save you and them, but they don't see and they don't hear. The living must die so that the dying can live. The time has come to kill the lamb. Here's the cup, my son, the cup of sorrows, the cup of sin. Slam, Mallet, be true to your task. Let your ring be heard throughout the heavens. Lift him, soldiers. Lift him high to his throne of mercy. Lift him up to his perch of death. Lift him above the people that curse his name. And now plunge the tree into the earth. Plunge it deep into the heart of humanity, deep into the strata of time past, deep into the seeds of time future. Is there no angel to save my Isaac? Is there no hand to redeem the Redeemer? Here's the cup, my son. Drink it alone. God must have wept as he performed his task. Every lie, every lure, every act done in shadows was in that cup. Slowly, hideously, they were absorbed into the body of the son, the final act of incarnation. The spotless lamb was blemished, and flames began to lick his feet. The king obeys his own edict, Where there is poison, there will be death. Where there are goblets, there will be fire. The king turns away from his prince. The undiluted wrath of a sin-hating father falls upon his sin-filled son. And the fire envelops him. The shadow hides him. The son looks for his father, but his father cannot be seen. My God, my God, why? The throne room is now dark and cavernous. The eyes of the king are closed. He is resting. In his dream, he is again in the garden. The cool of the evening floats across the river as the three walk. They speak of the garden, of how it is, of how it will be. Father, the son begins, and the king replays the word again. Father, father. The word was a flower, petal delicate, yet so easily crushed. Oh, how he longed for his children to call him father again. A noise snaps him from his dream. He opens his eyes, and he sees a transcendent figure gleaming in the doorway. It is finished, Father. I have come home. That is a parable of what happened with Jesus. Now, I want to describe to you two stories during Jesus' time on the earth. One before the cross, one after the cross. I'm going to start with the story of Nicodemus. I'm going to call him Nico. The Bible is not just a book of laws and principles to live by, but it's a, it is the story of God's work to redeem his people after the fall of Adam and Eve, which I just read to you. The story of Nico illustrates man's coming to God. Nicodemus is a religious leader in Israel. He is attempting to resolve the dilemma that Jesus brings in his claims. Nico inhabits a land of good efforts, sincere gestures, and a lot of hard work. Give God your best, his philosophy says, and God will do the rest. Jesus' response, your best won't do. Your works don't work. And your finest efforts don't mean squat. Jesus makes no mention of Nicodemus' VIP status, his good intentions, or his academic credentials. Not because they don't exist, but because in Jesus' algorithm, they don't matter. John 3, 3 says... Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, unless you are born again, you can't even see what God is up to. Nicodemus does not understand what Jesus means by being born again. Who could go back in your mother's womb and pull that off? That's what he's thinking. John 3, 5 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Newborn hearts... Are born of heaven and you can't wish earn or create one God handles the task start to finish so Jesus with Nicodemus is introducing a different language not works born of men and women but a work done by God born again birth by definition is a passive act born again You see, the child in the womb contributes nothing to the delivery. Have you noticed that? Everyone applauds the work of the mother. No one gives the infant a hand. Give the baby a pacifier, not a medal. Mom is the one who deserves the gold medal. Man, there should have been a lot of amens on that one. (laughs) She exerts the effort. She pushes, she agonizes, she delivers. The mother pays the price of birth. She does not enlist the child's assistance or the child's advice. The baby even can't take a breath without umbilical help, much less navigate a path into new life and make decisions. Jesus is saying to Nico, he's saying, nor can we bring about our own spiritual birth. The word again is the Greek word anathon. It depicts a repeated action but requires the original source to repeat it. It means from above, from a higher place, things which come from heaven or God. In other words, the one who did the work the first time does it again. The original creator recreates his creation. Born means God exerts the effort. Again, means God restores the beauty. We don't need the muscle of self. We need the miracle of God. And then in the same chapter, John chapter 3, we, call, we have what I call the hope diamond of the Bible. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 24 words. Let me summarize it for you. He loves. He gave. We believe. We live. Simple as that. Let me say it again. He loves. He gave. We believe. We live. Got chills. You see, the heart of the problem is the heart of the human. Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We have a spiritual cardiologist. He's scanning our hearts and he finds deep disease in every one of us. He describes our problem in pandemic proportions. No one is righteous, not even one. Have you noticed this generation is oddly silent about sin? You don't hear much about it on late night TV, nor do you hear about it on the news, nor do you hear about it in school. The truth is we have a universal heart problem that inhabits all humans. The, the word for in the Greek is the word hyper. It means in place of or on behalf of. Let me give you three scriptures indicating this. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says Christ died for, hyper, our sins. In other words, Christ died on behalf of our sins. Galatians 1.4 says Jesus gave himself for our sins right. or in place of. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us in other words in place or on behalf of us. In other words Christ exchanged hearts with you. Right. Right. Your thieving lying murderous heart and don't think you don't have it. Right. Right. We all had it when we were born. He placed your sin in himself and invited God to punish it. Isaiah 53, 6 says, the Lord has put on him the punishment for all the evil we have done. Now, watch this. More than pardoned, we have been declared innocent. Did you grasp that? We enter heaven not with healed hearts, but with his heart. This is not a transplant. This is a complete swap. And then God goes and he pounds, do not enter these signs on every square inch of Satan's gate and territory. And he tells those hell bent on entering to do so over his dead body. In the end, in the end some will perish but many will live. What determines the difference? Not works, not talents, not pedigree, not possessions. The the difference is determined by our belief. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Wow, the hope diamond. Now I go to one more story. This is a story, Nicodemus is before the cross. Now I'm going to go to a story after the cross. Watch this. Two disciples, in the afternoon of the first Easter day, they're walking the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. All kinds of strange things have happened in the morning, and, and the disciples still do not have a clue what's going on. As the day wears on, two of them set off to go home to Emmaus. They're joined by a mysterious stranger who engages them in conversation about all the events occurring that day and that weekend. The two of them were saying... We were hoping that he was the one who would redeem Israel. They had believed that Israel's Messiah would become king of all the world and set them free from political tyranny. Therefore, the crucifixion of Jesus was the complete and final devastation of their hopes. The disciples had been traveling up a road they thought was leading to freedom, and instead it turned out to be a cul-de-sac. They explained to the mysterious stranger that all the signs Right, that Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet and very possibly the Messiah, but it hadn't turned out right since he had been crucified and he was now dead. They're now feeling sad, let down, possibly even a little angry. The stranger then begins to tell them another narrative. He begins with Moses and all the prophets, he interprets to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He told them the entire narrative. They had actually been telling and living the wrong story. Apply that. But now suddenly with the right story in their heads and their hearts, a new possibility, huge, astonishing, and breathtaking, started to emerge within them. As this strange realization began creeping over them, they arrived at their house and invited the stranger in. Amazingly, he quietly assumed the role of host, taking blessing and breaking the bread. And suddenly, they recognized him and he vanished. Their statement to each other was, did not our heart burn within us? while he talked to us on the road and has he opened the scriptures to us he turned and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell all the rest of the disciples and where they in turn heard the amazing news that Simon had seen Jesus risen from the dead and they told him their story how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread now are you with me Luke's story here that I just talked to you about of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus Emmaus, points us back to Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve are in the garden beginning the task of being God's image bearers in his newly created world. You know, we know the story. I just told it to you. The woman took the forbidden fruit, gave it to the man. They both ate of it and their eyes were open. They immediately became sorrowful and full of shame and are then thrust into a world, a puzzling world of thorns and thistles. Luke is trying to tell us that this story is now reversed. The two on the road to Emmaus were most likely man and wife, Cleopas and Mary, having lived their whole life in a world of sorrow, of shame, of thistles and thorns, with their hopes always in tatters, Their eyes are now open and they become part of a vanguard for God's project of restoring the world in which they become image bearers of God's forgiving love to all of creation. They're now led back to Jerusalem, back to God's city, back to the place of hope and promise. The meal in Emmaus, now stay with me here, the meal in Emmaus is the eighth meal scene in the gospel. The Last Supper is the seventh. Seven is the number of completion, and eight is the number of new beginnings. God likes numbers. The week of the first creation is over, and Easter is the beginning of the new creation. God's new world order has arrived, and the exile of the human race is over, having been shut out of the garden. Within this new world order, there is a new awareness of who Jesus is and freedom has now entered the human race. Freedom from sin and death, which is what we all battle. Now let's talk about the resurrection. We have tended to diminish the resurrection into meaning simply that there is life after death, which is true. We also have seen its significance simply in the fact that Jesus is alive today, and we can get to know him personally. Yeah, that's true. But it is not the complete truth of Easter. Easter Day is the first day of the week, John tells us, in both verse 1 and 19 of John 20. John is trying to tell us that Easter Day is the first day of God's new creation. And Easter morning was the birthday of God's new world, returning us to the original garden. Man, I I thought there'd be a lot of amens on that one. You'd get excited on that one. Now watch this. On the sixth day of the week, Friday, God finished all his work and gave the great shout on the cross, it is finished. Sixth day. In Genesis 1, God finished the initial work of creation with the creation of human beings in his own image on the sixth day. Now on this Easter morning, it is the first day of the week. Creation is complete, and new creation can now begin. The spirit who brooded over the waters of creation at the beginning now broods over God's world ready to bring it bursting to springtime life. It is time for recreation. You call it recreation. It's called recreation. Let me tell you a story. This is kind of a simple illustration, but I'm going to try to give it to you. I'm not a very good golfer. Never will be. But I enjoy going out once in a while. Many years ago, I went out with my cousin. And uh, we were golfing. And I got to learn an incredible term on the golf course. It's called a mulligan. If you don't know what that means, it, it means when you take your first shot, it's, a, it's such a stinking shot. It hits the tree, bounces off the tree, and hits your partner in the head. They give you a second shot and this shot is free, and they don't count the first one against you. I love those mulligans. In fact, I got one on every hole. It's great. It's incredible. Jesus Christ wants to give you a mulligan for your life. He says, you know all those stupid things you've done in the past, and you regret, and you wish you'd done differently? Dumb decisions, bad mistakes... Sins, faults, failures, whatever you want to call them. Let's just erase them and start over. And he says, let's just begin a brand new life. Step up from the good life to the better life. We'll wipe out all the other stuff and you can just begin again. What a deal. No more guilt. No more guilty conscience. All wiped out. Begin again, all new. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says this. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Can you say all things? All things, all things have become new. Resurrection means a recreation, or a brand new creation. This is a start over for all of us. Everything has become new. Everything is affected by resurrection. You get a do-over, you get a second chance, you get a mulligan, you get a reload. God in us creates a new life for us. Easter makes everything new Easter changes everything. This morning, many of you came here. I see you in the back. I see you standing. I see you sitting. Maybe some of you were drugged by family. Maybe some of you, this is just a tradition. But I told you the story of the meaning of Easter. The meaning of Easter is you can have a brand new life. Starting all over again. You know the problem of the world? It's not politics. It's not government. It's not business. It's sin. Corruption. Evil. But God wants to turn it all around. But he has to start with you. He has to start with your life. And I'm telling you this morning that God is here to change everything in your life. Would you bow your heads? Well, I felt this morning the power of the Holy Spirit in this room. He's touching hearts. He's speaking to you. Some of you came today and Maybe your life is a mess. Maybe some of you came, your life is not a mess, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. If you need a brand new recreation today in your life, in your heart, maybe you've never known Jesus, maybe you've tasted the poison. And it's disfigured you. But today, you want to receive the gift of life that only Jesus can give. If that's you, in just a few minutes, I want you to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Maybe some of you, at one time, you were very close to Christ. Maybe you walked with him, but over the years, there's been a parting of the ways. And you want to resubmit your life to God. Say, Lord, I want to be with you. So right now I want to ask this question. If, if you want to receive him today and you say, I want a brand new start, I want a mulligan for my life. I want to start brand new. I, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. All across this auditorium, scores of you will lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you and it's going to start a brand new life. If that's you right now, one, two, three. Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand up. I see one, two, three. Keep your hands up. Four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, keep your hands up, 18, 19, 20, keep them up, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, put your hands down now. Those of you who have your hands, put your hand, and anybody else. See, this is your this is your time. You can have a mulligan, you can have a brand new life. I just I just would implore you right now, this is the chance. You came, you didn't come here by accident. God brought you. And so right now, if that's you, lift your hand right now and say, Yeah, I'm I, I think there's at least five or six more. Lift your hand. One, two, three. Anybody else? Four, five. (laughs) Praise God. You may put your hands down. I saw at least five more. About 36 today. I want to uh, praise God. I want to pray a prayer now. I want everybody in the house to pray with me. Especially those who raise their hands. Because this is going to be a brand new beginning. We've all said this prayer at one time. Pray with me. Dear Father, I receive you into my heart. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth. That you're the Lord and Savior of my life. I commit myself to you. I ask that you make everything brand new and cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. Remove the poison and give me life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Now, if you raise your hand, I want you to do a few things. Get a Bible. Actually, we have some here. Get a Bible. Uh, Pray daily. Even if you took a few minutes and just said, Lord, help me. Get in a a church. And get in a a small group with people who really can lead you and guide you and help you. If you do that, you'll be safe. Now, I want to pray for uh, the rest of us. Do you know what I think? I don't think we understand in all its intents and purposes what I just described today. Because if, if you did understand, you would be on your feet cheering. I want new revelation. I Even this weekend, I got new revelation about Easter. And I've been at this a long time. I want to pray that every one of us in this room will receive revelation illumination about Christ, his sacrifice, and the resurrection power of God. You need to live with more power. Do you know why the world is the way it is? Because we don't have enough image bearers who understand the power of God. We need more image bearers who would declare and decree, this is what I believe, who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, we need to believe it and say it, declare it, and decree it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart right now. Let's pray this prayer. I'll just pray it for you, but you just agree with me. Father, we just ask right now that you would fill us with all illumination and revelation. Let it be a brand new beginning for every one of us. Let us look at life differently. Let us look at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday as days of opportunity to experience the goodness of God and to describe to those around us what Jesus has done for us. Let us be true image bearers and let us declare it and decree it With abandonment, we pray. We thank you for the gift of Christ, the gift of redemption, the gift of life that you've given to us. Lord, illumine that to our hearts every day from now on. Anoint us, fill us, and cause us to flourish in your brand new world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.